the Speak Like a Leader training course closes this Friday, December 22nd. That means if you're listening to the Speak With People podcast today, you have just a few more days to get your registration in and start your own personalized training through the Speak Like a Leader course. This is for the everyday leader who wants to be able to stand up and speak with confidence, with clarity, and conviction. Get ready to change your public speaking and speak like a leader. Go to speakwithpeople.com slash speak like a leader today and register for your copy of the training course, Speak Like a Leader. Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, to a team, from a stage, or from behind a screen, we hope that our time today inspires you to breathe life into your world with your communication. So before we hop into today's interview, and it's just going to be awesome, I want to ask you a question. Where do you turn for help, uh, support, encouragement, especially as you need to share ideas about your communication or how do you grow your uh, communication? How do you invest in it? Well, that's why Speak With People's created the Speak With People Facebook group. It's a growing, fun, supportive communicators with leaders from all over the world. And we just want to work on becoming healthy communicators. So just head to facebook.com slash groups slash speak with people and join us today. Can't wait for you to be a part of the conversations about improving our communication skills. Well, today I'm excited for this episode because I wonder uh, if you're like me, if you've ever wondered how leaders, how communicators can orchestrate growth like uh, an orchestra conductor. Uh, you know, directs a well-tuned symphony. And so imagine harnessing the power of streamlined processes to elevate your business to new heights, from automating workflows to optimizing communication channels. Uh, this episode, I think, will be uh, just kind of a dipping into the deep end of a playbook for scaling success. So whether you are an entrepreneur, you're a speaker, you're a communicator, you're a, you're a sales executive, you're a growth enthusiast, like get ready to dive in for a great conversation with just uh, an amazing leader. Today I'm joined by Taylor Payne, he's the CEO of SpeakerFlow, and he just gives us some of the secrets for harmonizing some of those systems for maximum uh, impact. So don't miss out on this chance to discover how, uh, you know, all of these things can come together. Well, thank you, Taylor, for joining us. Welcome to the Speak With People podcast. It's great to be here. I'm. I have been counting down the days for us to get together. Honestly, like I saw it at the end of my week, and I have been ecstatic for it. Just a great way to end off a week. And uh, yeah, we've had some conversations in the past, and always hit it off. And I yes. know we're gonna have you on our show as well. So uh, yeah, this will just be a step in the right direction. I feel like. Well, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've loved our past conversations and. We were just talking offline how much I've learned just from, you know, how you guys operate as a company at SpeakerFlow, watching your website, how you do, you know, email marketing and just even, yeah, our conversations with you. Yeah, definitely, definitely grateful for this. Could you just kind of give our listeners a little bit of a little bit more of your story, who you are, you know, what you do, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's kind of weird. You know, we stumbled into this uh, thought leadership industry, speakers, coaches, consultants, and quite literally stumbled in. In fact, most people I talk to are even in this world. 
it's never like you sit sit down one day and say when i grow up i want to you know be a speaker or you know you just you evolve to that point it seems right so long story short um, my co-founder and i we've been kindred spirits from day one and we kind of grew up in sales together Mm. and so for a long time we were responsible for training sales teams around the nation we'd have to go set up a new office find the office hire the people train the people put in the manager make sure they're good to go and then go rinse and repeat around the country basically And so we got really good at sales because in order to get to the training part, we had to be good at sales first Uh, and then really good at recruiting and building high performance cultures. And this is where I subconsciously got my first taste of systems. It Mm. wasn't until hindsight later on that I realized how systemized that organization was. And it's kind of a sense of inspiration in a lot of ways. But long story short, uh, we got uh, asked to go up to the corporate ladder and they were teaching us some shady things that we just really weren't that excited about. Mm. It just didn't align with our values anymore, you know, and I was kind of losing my love for just being in the sales game all the time. Like I kind of felt like I had gotten to the point of what I wanted to know. My curiosity was dipping and I tend to be a person that just always wants to be doing things, different things. And so I was still fascinated, though, with buyer psychology and particularly like what drives somebody. And this is like the early tens, right? Mm. So what drives somebody to swipe their card for tens of thousands of dollars online and never talk to somebody? Right. And at the time, there weren't many instances of that. But now we're seeing things like Carvana, Auto Tempest, some other larger companies, custom furniture makers who or sound system projectors, golf simulators like there are brands that build so much trust with somebody. You never yeah. need to talk to them. You're like, I need that in my life. And then they swipe their card. Mm. And I was fascinated. Like, how is that even remotely possible? Right. How do you create this engine online that allows to make that happen? So I studied marketing for a while, SEO, paid ads, conversion rate optimization, and really started working with a lot of different e-commerce stores. And there was this one e-commerce store that was selling Amish furniture online. And so it was custom order. And this was the perfect testing ground because they didn't have any systems. They didn't have any marketing going on and they wanted to grow. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but I did my best. And so uh, (laughs) trial by fire, uh, we turned that company to $2 million a year, 40% profit margin, and everything was automated. And mind you, we're dealing with Amish furniture makers, right? Like we had to fax in order to a courier to jump on a horse to deliver the thing, right? Mm. And so you have this really strong digital side, but this incredible analog side for your actual client delivery thing or process. And so long story short, this is where I learned the value of systems, because Mm. from the second somebody hit the website, the focus to turn them into a lead, what happens after they turn into a lead? How do you nurture them? At what point are these people qualified to reach out to? When the order comes through, how do we automate everything that needs to get done to make sure our delivery is the same every single time? And I think in the early days, this was really about how do we grow? How do we make more money? But Mm. as time went on, that kind of shifted to focusing on how do we how do we make the assembly line better for the entire organization? Basically get people to work in their creative zones of genius. Like when we're all bogged down with minutia in our day to day, we're not able to think creatively and do the things we wanna do. We're not in flow. Right. And eventually I found my way into the speaker industry realizing there were no systems at all in place, wondering Mm. why, and you know, here we are. So it's kind of an evolution, but wow. uh, long story short, it's those experiences in sales and marketing and looking back, realizing why those were successful and at its foundation, it was because of systems. 
Wow, that's incredible. That is incredible. Are you, do you follow uh, Alex Hormozzi at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he just released a $100 million leads. I've been pumped about that book. I've been waiting for that for like two years. I know. I, uh, I, I, such I, a watched, good dude. Yeah. I watched the, the you know, his demonstration, his, his online Zoom last Saturday, and it was yeah. it was just a masterpiece. I mean, it was just incredible. For sure. Yeah. The authenticity just exudes from that person. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Well, goodness, I you know because I'm on your email list, I want to start with a very important question. You know, I, I read your last uh, email. Ah, so you listed out all the music that you love, jazz, and you know everything. But sure, does country music make that list? Or oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, no doubt. But <clears throat> certain flavors of country music, like really old school country, like where it was raw from the heart, unfiltered, like kind of uh underground for those days you know like 50s and 70s country big fan uh some of the like modern like twangy crap that's about seemingly nothing not a huge fan of yes i've been loving the era we're stepping into where rock and country and rap are blending together a little bit uh and so been loving the creative energy going into the the country music scene for a while and (laughs) jelly roll i mean his rise to stardom so far in country like just crazy yeah that's a the rock country rap hybrid thing happening. It's very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to say for years, I hated country music. And then my guy, Darius Rucker, he, you know, took a a pause from Hootie and the Blowfish. And then, you know, I'm just, I'm just in love now. Morgan Wallen, all of them, you know, I'm like, ah, this is so good. Yeah, for sure. I'd say pretty much after Darius Rucker got into the scene, it got better. So it's probably all due to him. (laughs) There it is. I love it. Okay, so I love this conversation and I love, you know, your background in music as well. So I'm going to go a little bit with, you know, this analogy analogy of music, but you know, if we imagine our business as a symphony, you know, and you know, what what are the instruments that represent, you know, the key components of of a, a growth strategy? We don't have to go into the, you know, that that you know heart of a, an analogy but sure. what are some of those key components you know especially with your experience in sales and setting all that kind of stuff up you know i i just i know even for myself and other entrepreneurs that are you know listening you know we're struggling in this area and so you know to be able to have a conversation with someone like you who who gets it you know kind of give us some of those key component areas yeah so i mean i won't lean too hard into the music thing but Let's take a band, an orchestra, it doesn't matter, any of your flavors, any set of instruments, it doesn't matter. If you're solo, so let's say you're a solo speaker, solo coach, or consultant, think of the band not as a one-man band, but as members that you don't have yet that you're going to find where you can just happen to play some of those instruments. You're not going to be very good at it, but you can dabble. And for those that have teams, think of your band as your team, right? Mm. And if going back to the solo thing, you're solo and you're thinking, okay, well, I don't really even ever intend on bringing people on. Well, think of the members of your band as some of the things that technology can help you with, some of the automations at place. There's a bunch of ways, especially in this era, how we can kind of create a band around ourselves without having to play every instrument, Mm. right? So when we're thinking about business systems uh, and similar to music, uh, there's this orchestration happening. Uh, and I, I compared this, the email that Jason's referencing to jazz, yes. where everyone kind of has a moment to shine in a song 
uh, it's kind of chaotic in ways and improvised, but everyone knows what the vision of the song is and mm. the direction of it. And it kind of unfolds naturally. It's not like you get into a jazz song and you're like, all right, so this is where we're going to end up. Like no one knows where you're going to end up. It could right. be two minutes. It could be 20 minutes. But as you're kind of molding the song, there's this unspoken kind of communication happening where everyone ends up in the same spot, ending up in creating this kind of beautiful thing. Systems in your business are really no different. Mm. And the way I like to start thinking about systems is how do we actually define them in the first place? Mm. Um, because when we hear systems, the default thought is technology, right? Um, and technology can mean a lot of things like a chisel and a stone was technology at one point in time, as were carrier right. pigeons, as our <laughs> CRMs and email marketing tools now. Uh, but systems are more than just technology. That's the starting point. Systems really make up three things. So it's the tech, the process and the people that make up an organization. Hmm. So think of like the tech for the sake of our analogy as maybe some of the instruments people are playing. Think about the process as the way they play them, how they're able to make something sound so beautiful. Like I've been trying to play the violin for a minute. That's my mm. technology. I suck at it. And it sounds like <laughs> someone's screaming out of the center of it. Right. So my right. process is bad. And then there's people, the physical humans behind making all of the things happen. Yeah. And so systems like music make up those exact three things. And it's those things in combination with each other where you have a system. So that being said, we now need to say, okay, well, what's the piece of music we're writing? How do we even know where we're going to end up? What, how is the band now going to play together? And this is about defining your processes. Mm. And we can dive into technology and what technology do we need in a business. But I don't really like to start there because we first need to identify what it is we're actually doing in the first place before we can get the tools to help out. Like a great example is like, let's say I'm building something with some wood and some screws and some nails. If I grab a hammer and I approach a screw, is it going to go very well? Uh, no. I mean, mm. I could brute force it, but it's probably not going to work that well. I grabbed the wrong tool for the outcome that I was after. And so a lot of people want to grab these shiny objects and all this technology to help them out because they you know, believe it can, and in some cases it will. But we don't really have a process yet to find to even know if we have the right tool for the job that needs to get done. So the next evolution of this is like, how, how do we define what systems we need? How do we mm. know what we need in our business? And the way I want you to think about systems is think about your customer journey. Every system in your business fits into the customer journey in one way or another. Mm. So this can be, how do you generate leads? There's a process for that. If you don't have any inbound, maybe you're going and doing cold outreach. How do you find your leads? What are you looking for that indicates they're worth putting in the spreadsheet you have or writing that company name down? How do you determine whether or not they're qualified? What are the types of indicators that say, nah, I'm going to pass? What are your core values that tell you I would never work with this company versus these are people I would love to work with? That's I just listed how many examples of process. Yeah. Or how do you turn those people into leads who are actually interested, right? How, what's the process for getting people on your website and getting them to submit forms or getting your audience members when giving a talk to submit forms? How do we get people inbound? Now we have leads. So what do we do with them is mm. the next kind of phase of that question. For yeah. a lot of people, it's like, I want to put a form up. 
And then we forget to even do anything with them. They just sit on an email list where we maybe send an email every out uh, every now and again. Right. And we kind of make this assumption that like if somebody's willing to submit an email to us, they must know us well enough to be interested. So they don't need any more nurturing. They can just sit and they're going to buy and I'm going to wait for my phone to ring. So what do we do to nurture those people so that we can predictably turn them into not buyers, but people who say, hey, Jason, I'm interested. Let's schedule a chat to learn more about each other and see if we can work together. Yep. How do we get people to book sales calls? Everything I just listed so far is what most business owners struggle with. Mm. It is the most unpredictable element of our business. How do we generate leads, nurture them, convert them into people who say, I want to have a conversation and potentially buy from you? Right. Let's think beyond that for a moment. Let's say they book a sales call. How do you run a sales call? What questions do you ask that help you indicate whether or not they're a good fit and you have the right offer for them? What are the common objections that people have in those conversations so that you're ready to overcome them at any moment's notice? If you can get your sales calls to a point where you're just talking and thinking about other things because it's so monotonous, you've done a good job mm. because then now your calls are predictable. And okay, now you close the business especially if you're a speaker, you're a coach, you're a consultant, if you're thinking as an entrepreneur here, what has to happen to deliver for that client now? And if it's speaking or coaching, if I have a standard way of onboarding coaching clients, I need to get them the pre-coaching questionnaire, I need to send them a swag pack, I need to send a thank you note, I wanna schedule their first call, there's a bunch of things. If you're speaking, you gotta book travel, you gotta create your slide deck, there's 20 or 30 things there. Why do we have to think about that every single time? Like if we know what we need to do to deliver for our clients, why can't our systems tell us what needs to happen as soon as they become a client of ours? Right. Right. So every system in the business, my point is fits into the customer journey in one way, lead so. generation, lead conversion and client fulfillment. And then we can start reverse engineering. Like, you know what? I don't, I'm, I don't have my stuff documented for when I close a deal. Let's get that going. Oh, I don't have a standardized way of running a sales call. Let's, let's put that in place. I don't have a follow-up process for my past clients. Okay, great. This is not stuff we have to perfect. This is right. stuff that re requires iteration over time. But if we're always looking at it in that context, we can identify any hole in our business, patch it, standardize it, delegate it, automate it, and move on. Wow. Wow. I worked on an MBA. Uh, I, I didn't finish, so I'm an MBA dropout. So I like to say I worked on an MBA. Uh, I worked on an MBA, I don't know, 12 years ago or something. And I think you just taught me more about business and sales in, you know, five minutes than, than I learned. Yeah. No offense to, you know, like Forrest. That's why I dropped out when I was a sophomore. So there's a theme. <laughs> but, <laughs> the oh my goodness. hard knocks. <laughs> but, no, but I love this because I'm, I'm thinking about my friend who is a chiropractor who owns a business and he's looking, you know, to scale things. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, my speaker friends. I'm thinking about my coach friends. I mean, this, I mean, this is just gold right here because you know a lot of times i find myself some of these systems i'm still doing them manually because i'm running with you know my head on fire and i haven't taken the time to to you know knock them all out so i know you know what those steps are and then to be able to automate them you know that's uh you know that's a that's a powerful process. Do you think it's possible for you know anyone to be able to do these kind of things? Are there some people who oh they think in systems so much better, uh, and some people just can't? Or do you think you know it it is wherever part you're at, it is possible mm -hmm. to be able to put some of these things into place? Yeah, no doubt. I mean the the. 
the question to ask yourself is what are you willing to sacrifice and not sacrifice as in like you're giving up your family <laughs> like sacrifice yeah. as in i don't like thinking about systems but i suppose i'll do it this one time you know what yeah. i mean like that kind of sacrifice so you first have to determine are you willing to start thinking about this and the first mm. question i would ask is are you an entrepreneur or are you a freelancer are you an entrepreneur yep or are you a freelancer let that marinate for a moment yeah and either option is okay if you're like i just want to do the solo thing i'm happy doing all the things finding leads delivering for them people on fiverr and upwork and vas and whatever like that's they'd love doing that stuff if yeah. like, you just want to do a solo thing you don't want to treat this like a business i mean honestly you've made it you figured out what you wanted and you can execute on it let's the dream come true yeah for the vast majority of us though, we claim to be entrepreneurs. Mm. We are not entrepreneurs until delegation has happened, right? And so that being said, if we truly wanna be entrepreneurs, you imagine yourself running a business where you're removed from it, right? Mm. Where you don't have to do the things you don't wanna do. Right. That's being an entrepreneur. And what that means, but then by default is you have to have a baseline understanding of every, every area in your business. You don't need to go deep on it. Like I'm not a master of accounting, but I know what a chart of accounts is. I know what to look for in my P and L. I know how to set a budget and I know how to ask the right questions for my finance team. It's my last thing I want to do on earth, <laughs> but it's necessary. Right. 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 I know how to build out our client accounts. Do I ever want to do it again? Absolutely not. Yeah. I know how to run demos. Do I want to do it again? No, of course not. Like I want people <laughs> to sell my stuff and deliver my stuff and I don't want to be involved. That's what I personally want. I want to be a creative, a visionary. I want to be thinking about how to make the business model more profitable, like larger than life kind of things, not yeah. just the day-to-day -day stuff. So you first have to ask yourself your question, what do you really want out of the business and what are you willing to give up to make that happen? then you can start going down the path of thinking about your systems and you don't need to be an expert to just get off of the ground right mm. like it's just about being self-reflective or maybe having a group of people who can call you on your stuff and somebody to say hey you're not following up with new leads that come through or hey you don't even have leads in the first place what are you going to do about that right. like if you can identify that problem and just put in a little legwork i'm going to spend a day learning how to find decent leads i'm going to do that enough times until it becomes monotonous then if you're willing and you have resources, you can document that process and find somebody, a freelancer, to do that specific task for you. If you're in a position where you don't have resources to hire a bunch of people, that's okay, that's fine. But we're doing yourself a disservice by not maximizing your time by creating systems early on. Mm. It's very much like a chicken or the egg scenario, especially if you're solo and you intend to scale, but you don't have the money to hire people right now. It's like, well, what do I focus on, right? What's right. my priority? Your priority is buying back the currency you do not have, which mm. is time. Time. It's not money. It's time. Everything takes time. If you're manually filling out a contract, if you're manually adding leads to a spreadsheet or a CRM, if you're manually posting to your social stuff instead of doing it all at once, like there are ways that we can optimize for our time, be more impactful to then make more money so that we can handle more clients to then bring on more resources.
And so if you're able to put in the grunt work for just a little while, where you yeah. really start thinking about your core systems, how do I generate leads? How do I get them to book meetings? How do I get them to buy? And how do I deliver for them? Only those four things. We don't need to go into all the little tactics and strategies underneath it, very surface yeah. level. Now you can de then determine, all right, who can I hire? Who is better at this than me to give me ideas or to come in and take over this role? And the goal then is when you have enough resources, you can start bringing in people who are way more qualified than you to make decisions. Like mm. my implementation team at SpeakerFlow, I'm not qualified to answer support tickets anymore, Jason. Like, I don't even know what I'd do if I got handed support for a day. Like I would right. get through it, but it would be painful. That's because there are people who can do it better than you and that's okay. Yeah. And that's what it means to be an entrepreneur. You start with the basic systems, then you start bringing in people to help and you allow them to help unfold and create the systems for the business. You never losing sight of what the vision of the business is and having a baseline understanding of each thing. Just in the event you need to fill those shoes again, you can. And wow. that's how we can kind of layer in from there. Wow. Wow. That's a few minutes ago, you were talking about some of those, those things, you know, to give you back time. And I was thinking, oh man, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's me right now, you know, yeah. running around. That's normal. You know. Yeah. It's just something else. Is there anything that if you could go back in time when you started your company that you would go, oh, I really wish I would have done this differently or I, I wish that I would have, you know, maybe done more yeah. of, of this in this area? For sure. So, um, <clears throat> I think in the early days, we tried to offload stuff that we didn't understand. Hmm. So a great example is, I mean, SpeakerFlow is four years old. I would say we got into our final iteration of how we deliver for our clients every time, if I'm being generous, a year ago. It's taken us three years to really identify the business model, figure out how we're yeah. delivering, what the promises we're making, like really being very clear about that. And early on, we thought we had it together. Like, oh, this is the way we do it. And so yeah. we bring on a person and then inevitably we'd have to rip everything out from the ground zero and that wouldn't help them. And, you know, some people just didn't end up working out because we thought we had it together, but we didn't run with it long enough to really understand it, to say, yes, this is the thing or no, this still needs us to be thinking about it. And I think it was in the ambition to buy back more time. We were in a rush. And this is where I see a lot of people have the same problem. A, a common example in our world is someone will want, want to bring on a VA. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, well, what do you want that VA to do? Like, oh, you know, like generate leads and hop on sales calls when needed and book my travel and post on social and, uh, you know, cancel my doctor's appointments and, you know, the lowest right. goes on. Right. Okay, sure. You could find somebody who could do all of that okay i suppose it's hard you could but do you like do you have a process documented for them to follow oh no i just figure they'll watch me on zoom and then uh, you know pick it up and whatever right okay nothing is defined you know what i mean like the yep. role isn't defined and so you end up bringing people on who don't actually help you end up churning through people so I think in the early days like Austin and I were in a rush to get out of the weeds and yep. what that meant is we put less time in truly understanding the way we needed to deliver, what the problems were, and then solving those problems to then solidify a process to then bring somebody on. Yeah. And that's kind of the moral with systems. That's why I said you have to understand it enough right. to be able to hold somebody else accountable to doing it.
Yeah. Because if we don't understand it, then that person goes away and the entire thing falls down like a stack of cards. Right. What if you get the system in place, it's it's worked well for you, and then you bring someone on and they start tweaking mm-hmm. it, tweaking it, tweaking it. You know, what, what's, what's that balance w- w- that you have in the Great leadership? Question. So the first thing to decide uh, is, does this person have the right to tweak it? Mm. Right. So like if I'm, if I, uh, like I'm, I'm bringing on a VP of growth right now at SpeakerFlow, somebody who's going to totally take the lead on our growth department, our salespeople, wow. the marketing team, all that stuff. That person reserves the right to make whatever changes they need. All I'm making sure of is that they're hitting our revenue goals. And if not, is it because a field got changed? No, like that's, that's a deeper problem if the goals aren't being hit, right? If it's just a normal salesperson where they have a structured job, this is what you do every single time, then no, I don't want them to be able to make those changes. And so this actually leads to a system that I don't think gets talked about enough, especially in smaller companies, but it's this idea of something called an accountability chart. Hmm. The goal is to think about you at the top as visionary and then everything underneath you what do you need inside of your business role wise for it to function these are not necessarily spots you're going to put people in but these are all of the functions of the business so at speaker flow we've got visionary that's me i just ideate and hope things get done i guess there's an integrator which is basically like a president a ceo the person responsible for making sure the vision comes to life that's my co-founder austin And underneath the three of us are our VP levels, VP of growth, VP of ops, VP of admin. Our admin stuff is like legal, finances, payroll, HR. That's all outsourced, so we'll never really need a VP there. But we still have VP of admin as a role on our accountability chart. It just so happens that Austin fills that role because everything underneath it is outsourced, right? And so my point to all of this is our accountability chart at this point, I think, has 25 different roles on it. And over time, you'll start to think about all the roles inside of your business, a salesperson, an admin person, a marketing, an email, a social person, whatever. You just put these roles out. And these are the roles that you then eventually need to fill inside of the organization. Yep. And so if you think about this concept of having roles in an accountability chart, Now you can start backfilling and saying, wow, this is a role I really don't want to do. This is how we can automate that or delegate it or bring somebody into the mix to help with that problem. Yep. And going back to that accountability chart every quarter is a system. So you're always refining it and making sure it's more dialed in. Is that helpful? Oh, (laughs) absolutely. I I got stuck into that. And I I mean, I, I think what you just laid out will help so many people because they haven't even got to that place to think through it yet. So just to have some type of framework, you know, right. uh, is helpful. Cause I know for, you know, even in, in my business, I mean, we're spending so much time just generating leads right now, you know, trying to figure yeah. out, you know, you know, and how to capitalize them on the best and then how to make sure that our, you know, the sales call when I'm, you know, spending time calling, you know, um, uh, the places that, you know, the companies that I'm asking, you know, to speak for, that I'm, I'm really, you know, getting into the the mix of it. So to have some of those systems, you know, in place, you know, are just so incredibly helpful. Yeah. So I, I think helpful. like on that note, like it's really a mindset that you yeah. carry, you know, it's like picking up the phone because one there's spectrums to this, right? If I say you need to systemize everything right now before you do anything. Well, the challenge with that, if we're on the way extreme side, I need systems right now perfected. 
the problem is, is like we're not getting enough feedback to improve it. Like we get stuck in this perfectionist loop and we're like, I got to have the perfect call script. I got to have the perfect email. I got to focus on, am I saying the right word in the subject line? Like, should I say people? Should I say humans? Should I say person? Like we get stuck on the details, right. you know? Right. Whereas a part part of systems is saying, you know what? I don't have this perfected right now. Like every time I pick up a call to do a cold call, I don't have that script prote- uh, perfected, but I'm just going to run and do this ad hoc five, 10, 15, 25 times. And every time I'm going to make some notes about the things where people really start to engage with me, the questions I thought were good. And then I'm going to create a new script based on what I learned and run through that a couple of times. And then you end up to the position where you're like, yeah, this is working most of the time. I don't really need to change much of this. Yeah. So my point to all of this is let your experiences inform how your systems need to evolve. Otherwise, we can over-engineer things, turn into perfectionists, then get disappointed when they don't work because we thought they would, when in reality, we never put them into the real world in the first right. place. Right. Oh, it's so important. Uh, just out of curiosity's sake, you know, as you guys look for the next, you know, even four, four years, you said four years? Your, your next four years, you know, is there, you know, I mean, do you have bigger mountains to climb? Are you in a season where, oh. you know, this is, we're just chasing towards this or, you know, the big vision for it? Question. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's always big hurdles. Uh, a lot of the conversation right now, uh, particularly the next year or two, is how do, how do an Austin and I, at least 80% of our time, live in the roles that we're designed for, visionary mm. and integrator? and offloading the rest. Like, for example, Austin's been leading our client delivery for a long time. So he's like our VP of ops or client experience. Uh, we have people underneath him helping deliver for our clients, but he still has to do some live training and still has to put out fires and stuff that distracts him from being up a level where I need him. On the growth end, I've been in the same boat because I do all the top of funnel marketing, all the email marketing, which I have a soft spot for. So I'll continue to do that. But video yeah. marketing, the gigs we do, the sales calls we run, like at, Every dollar speaker flow has brought in up into this point has been on my shoulders. It's a lot of weight to bear, especially as you start to grow a team. Yes. And so we need to start building out our growth department so that we can then make that predictable without our involvement. And so over the next couple of years, the goal is to fill in every role where we need one and then double up on the ones we know we need. And so mm-hmm. the next year or two is really building out that accountability chart and making sure we have the right people in the right seats. Past that point, uh, for us it, personally on the business side, there's a lot of different avenues we can continue tapping down, coaches, consultants, uh, agents, bureaus, management companies. So the way we add a multiplier to our business is by right. uh, tapping into those and creating messaging specifically for them and some light product improvements. But it's the same process, same delivery. We're just positioning it to broader markets now that we can handle the volume. Uh and then at some point in time, I, I am a business uh, owner. I am not a business runner. Um, mm. And Austin's in the same boat. And knowing that about yourself, do you want to yep. own businesses and advise or do you love running a business? Those are two very different things. And I don't love running a business. I love creating things. I love yep. ideating stuff. I love putting resources in other places. And so at some point in time, Speaker Flow will have a president that runs it outside of Austin and I, because um, yeah. it's its own brand. It can exist without us. We're not the important part here. Speaker Flow is the important part. And so our goal is to completely remove ourselves from the weeds, not because we don't want to run the company, but because we know it's better suited in the right hands with the right people in the right seats. And we're just bottlenecks in the meantime. Right. So to sum it up, removing us as bottlenecks. Ooh. 
Yeah. I mean, that's great self-awareness to be able to know that and then be able to, to strive for that. Yeah. Well, you've given us, I mean, seriously, I mean, so much, uh, wisdom and gold. Um, and I, you know, I could, I could keep asking questions, you know, all afternoon, but let me, uh, kind of transition into the rapid fire questions as we kind of finish up this interview. Cause I'd love to, you know, let our listeners kind of keep getting to know you. And so, you know, rapid fire, I'll send some questions your way, but, uh, right. you know, since, you know, speaker flow, I mean, you're, you're around a lot of speakers. You probably can't, you know, say a favorite, but do you personally have, you know, someone who's just like, Ooh, I love to listen to this person communicate. Yeah. Uh, his name is James Robolata. James, hmm. what's up? He's a very close friend of mine. He exactly lives only like 10 miles from me, which is awesome. Um, but he, he's always just been a super authentic person. You know, he's just one of those people where it's very, you're, you're getting the same James in a podcast, on a radio show, on a stage, in a conversation yes. all the time. There's no character involved there. It's also very funny. Uh, but I always gravitate towards speakers who are super authentic. Like, mm. I mean, let's face it. I'm a scruffy dude in a ball cap, in a black shirt, sometimes jeans, mostly shorts. Like, yes. and I am that way 100% of the time. Like my yes. dress up is I throw some Buffalo plaid on, right? And <laughs> that's because I am who I am and I don't care what you think. And I yep. love when that also seeps out of other people. Yes. Uh, so the pure kind of authentic nature, and he just has a very simple way of communicating really complex emotions. Mm. Uh, just a beautiful storyteller. So oh. definitely the one that came to mind first. There are many, but yes, yeah, top of the top five, I'd say. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, do you have a, a podcast that like is your go-to either for like leadership development or just a guilty pleasure that you're just like, oh, this one just fills me up? Yeah, I think it's called uh, What We Built, is it? Or What how this got built something to that effect uh, we can find it or something to share it with you but it's these stories from entrepreneurs of their hard days of like oh. how they actually built the thing how they scaled it all of this stuff i was just turned on to a guy uh recently andrew wilkinson i believe um but he has had this company it was a design agency for a while and he built it and scaled it and put in a ceo and eventually moved on but since he's just bought tons of different companies and mm. then leverages those together, like he has an ad agency. So every other marketing or every other company he buys, well, the marketing agency can fulfill that work for those companies. It's this beautiful web of empire-ness that has been built. And, yes. uh, you know, he's, you know, doing the thing like, you know, he's buys a company, puts a person in place, turns it around, keeps it and keeps private equity, wow. no public stuff but has grown from nothing to a billion dollar enterprise. And it's a company called Tiny, which is hilarious, that no one has ever heard of before. It just happens, he owns AeroPress and a ton of other really like large dribble, huh. you know, the whole UI and UX company. Mm -hmm. I, so anyway, uh, I heard about him through this kind of podcasting of like what we built. And it's all these stories about all of the crazy stuff people have gotten into and uh, yeah, brings me solace. Oh, <laughs> no, I love alone, that. You know, I love it. Okay. Last question. So if you had to pick a jazz artist, like is your go-to, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting this, this artist on cause this is, you know, soothes my soul the most. Who are you, who are you going with? Oh man. It's all the oldies, you know, like the 1920s to fifties, you know, like Miles Davis, Louis oh. Armstrong, Duke Ellington, you know, like yes. I just, there's something about the origin of jazz that is just, awesome 
And to be honest, I'm like, I'm the worst person when it comes to movie quotes, artists, names, like <laughs> stuff. Cause like with music, I just put on a playlist. I don't care what's playing. Like I'm in the zone, I'm doing my thing. Yep. But there's a whole bunch of like smooth jazz or midnight jazz, like playlists that I'm a big fan of anything that's instrumentally focused. Yep. Um, so yeah, a lot of the oldies is what I'm going to go to first. I love if it. I, if I had a, a gun to my head. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I played trumpet for many years and, uh, man, miles, you just can't go wrong with miles. I mean, no, for sure. Just incredible. Miles Davis, a cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> As to quote, uh, the great, uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, well, thank you, Taylor. Uh, and we didn't even talk about how you have two R's in your name. I, I love that. Very unique. Yeah. Short story was my mom was a hippie. So really all you need to know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, could you just tell us, and we'll link all this in the show notes and put this in our weekly sure. email and our, our Facebook group, but how can we find you online? How can we get more, more stuff on SpeakerFlow? Yeah. Just go to SpeakerFlow.com. Click okay. whatever buttons seem interesting to you. Go explore. You'll find me. You'll find the whole team. You'll find all of the resources, especially if you're a thought leader, speaker, coach, consultant. You want to systemize your business. Head there. We've got all the cool things. Check it out. Let us know if you have any questions. There's a million ways to reach out to us. Perfect. I got to say, I mean, your website, I, you know, we talked about this offline, but your website's incredible. The free resources that you have. You know, and then just even I've gone through your demo and just how uh, complete it was, how thorough, you know, I've learned so much from you from afar. So thank you so much for uh, all you do for many, many thought leaders. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for being our listeners and uh, every single week. And so we appreciate that. Uh, I just want to make sure uh, to remind you that if you are... A, a communicator and a speaker who is looking to invest in your communication, head to speakwithpeople.com slash coaching. We have some open opportunities right now for our public speaking coaching, and we'd love to be able to walk alongside of you to become the kind of communicator you've been dreaming of. And we'll put that link in the show, uh, show notes as well. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Hopefully you've been challenged and encouraged to elevate your healthy communication in your life and leadership. And we hope that you'll speak with people and not at them. Thanks again. And we will see you next week.